You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12 Man Solutions Limited. Hi, and thank you for joining me, Nicola Reader, on episode 15 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. Thank you once again for listening. Very shortly, we'll be handing over to Peter Gillett of Zuent Mobile, who will be talking to us about all things lead capture and data, which, although might not sound the most exciting of topics, it is actually the whole reason that you're going to a trade show in the first place. So definitely crucial listening. But before we get to that interview, we've had a really busy couple of weeks here at ProExtra. We've had some amazing feedback to the last episode of the podcast that we put out with Stefan Appleby of Hanover Communications. You guys were loving that episode. So thank you so much for all the feedback that you've sent us. And we have duly noted that you would like Steph back on the show at some point. So I'm sure if we ask very nicely, Steph will rejoin us at some point in the future. However, I just wanted to share with you a conversation we'd had with a client over the last couple of weeks that fits in quite well, actually, to the content of the rest of today's episode, and that's around follow-up. So we had quite a frustrated client ring us who said, I've emailed a contact I met at a trade show a couple of times and I'm just not getting anything back. And I thought we had a really great conversation. We seem to have a lot in common. We seem to have a lot of the same values in terms of business and a lot of good comments and buying signals that he gave me about how our product would be able to help his business. But I've just heard nothing back. What do I do now? Do I give up? And it is a really frustrating time. I know for all of you, when you've put a huge amount of work and effort into pulling all your trade show together, your stand looks amazing, your staff are all trained up and you have some great conversations. And then a couple of weeks after the show, you've done all your follow-up, but you're just not getting anywhere with the people that you've spoken to. And it can be a long time. On average, the conversion to a sale after a trade show is between about 12 and 18 months. So if your expectation is that it's going to happen in the first couple of weeks, maybe just think about extending that expectation a little bit longer and giving yourself more time to be able to convert that sale. I guess the advice that we gave our client to think about was how do you keep adding value? So on average, it's going to take about seven contacts research shows before somebody really starts moving along that path to purchase and maybe agreeing a meeting with you or following up with some additional questions they need answering. So I guess in those seven points of contact, it's trying to think about how do you vary your message? How do you add some value? So it's not just an email all the time where it looks as though you're chasing the sale. It's perhaps a social media comment. It's engaging with them in some sort of dialogue or recommending them to somebody else on social media. Maybe it's about sharing white papers with them or or proving how you can add value and be a a thought leader. Is it about doing a review of the show, Uh, maybe a blog post, and including them and talking about the conversations you had with them? Or can you offer to do a blog post for them? If you do a podcast yourself or any other kind of communication, can you get them involved in it? Is there something you can do to really surprise and delight them? Is there something that they won't be expecting that they can get in the post, maybe an invitation to an interested dinner? Or if you talked about a great CD that you've both enjoyed, why not send them the band's latest version or the autobiography or something that just is not necessarily work-related but might just make them think, wow, this person really listened to me and is interested in more than my business. So I think the thing to really think about is don't give up after the first try. 
try and plan as many different methods of talking to somebody before the show as you possibly can because if you've got an idea of what your contact points are going to be it's much easier to sit down and execute them than sitting down the day after a show when you're tired and trying to think about what on earth am I going to say now and just have a little bit of patience and these things take time so don't give up on the first try. So that said, I am now going to hand over to Peter, who's going to talk to us about different platforms and options that are available to exhibitors for lead capture and how to use that data most effectively when you've got it to be able to convert that great conversation to sales in the future. Enjoy the interview. So on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are delighted to invite on the show Pete Gillip, who is the CEO and MD of MarketPoint and Zuant. So welcome to the show, Pete. Nicola, delighted. Thank you very much. Thank you. And whereabouts are you joining us from today? Today we're in sunny Bracknell. The weather's trying to improve nicely here and then uh, getting ready for our next show over in Washington next week. So I think uh, it's just the right time of year for, for both countries. Brilliant, brilliant. So before we get into talking about our main topic around ROI and data capture, do you just want to give us a little bit of background about your business and your experience in the exhibitions industry, Pete? Sure. No, exactly. Uh, delighted. I mean, um, I always enjoy events and creating events that are a little bit different. So that, that's always been in our makeup. Um, the background to all of this, though, was that uh, MarketPoint is one company, and that started too long ago for me to recall but uh, a few decades ago as a database marketing specialist and um, all I need to say is that you know it was even before the days of PCs so it was, was, was quite a new thing to talk about databases and so on and that evolved we picked up lots of American clients which was lovely they wanted European services particularly in the response management side so you know the web didn't exist in those days so we need to have information centers to receive information and one aspect of that was taking leads from trade shows and we soon got fed up with picking up or sending a courier in at the end of a show to pick up a big box of handwritten forms with some with business cards attached others come detached and in different languages and we had this terrible job of trying to Put this jigsaw together and, and then send out leads to to the salespeople to follow up so that really was the trigger to say well there must be a better mousetrap for this little application um, so we used our database and and by then cloud-based skills to create a touchscreen laptop system and uh, clients found that really useful at shows because they could even have their CRM data loaded so they could actually talk to people they recognized with a little bit of history and background. And of course, everything was digitized. So it at last got rid of pen and paper. And then we moved on to developing an app for Apple, for iPads and iPhones uh, back in 2010. And it uh, really took off, in, in, particularly in a big way in, in the States. So that's our little sort of potted history of how, you know, the two companies sit very nicely alongside each other. And it's interesting to hear you talk about um, pen and paper leads. We'll come on to, to talking later on about the different methods of data capture. But you still see it at trade shows these days where, where people um, 
can just do it manually taking their contact details down and then still leave their big box of leads at the show and that's it they get thrown out by the stand contractors taking everything down and that's your three days hard work gone so fantastic that somebody like you has come into that space and provided us all with some solutions that mean hopefully that doesn't happen anymore um but let's start at the with the very basics why is data so important for exhibitors at trade shows well as you say Nicola, the uh it's all about capturing leads and return on investment. And I'm always so surprised. It really hasn't changed that much. You know, particularly, I was going to say in the US, but, you know, some of the big shows like uh, Baumer last week, huge construction fair, I think it's the biggest in, in the world, um, in Munich. Um, goodness, some of the stands or booths, as the Americans call them, um, have probably cost millions of dollars to, to put up. And it's not unusual. Another big one in the US is the HIMSS Healthcare IT show, which is an annual. And, and it's not unusual to get a three-story stand built for three or four days of an exhibition. It might even have a lift inside to get VIPs up to the top deck. I mean, it's just fabulous to see the investment and great fun to attend some of these shows and see these amazing designs but uh having invested all that money very few companies still do the proper return on investment analysis so uh, uh in a way from our business point of view well that's great news because we've got a, a huge problem to solve um, which is good for us. Yeah, I think the statistic that's used quite widely in the industry is around between 13 and 15% of leads are followed up after shows and um, yet 50%, over 50% of exhibitors um, will actually sell something to a visitor within 12 months. So you just think if, if some more of those leads were followed up, how much business could be exchanged from trade shows. And when people say they're just a waste of time, you never get anything from them, you think, well, how much effort have you actually put into following up those contacts that you made at a show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and just, you know, to add to that, I, I, we, we've noticed that trade shows and exhibitions and, and events for company, companies have become really important again, it, it just in recent years, because of the sort of digital revolution and everyone going onto the web and researching information before they even think of a shortlist. Um, Shows now are almost the only place for that face-to-face -face contact and really getting to know your customers. So uh, it's it's more important than ever. Yeah, it, it's really encouraging to hear you say that. And I think um, certainly what we're learning from, from companies like yourself is that digital and face-to-face -face sit together as part of an aligned strategy rather than it being a choice between one or the other. And, you know, they can they can both help each other to achieve those objectives rather than having to be all digital or face-to-face -face at the exclusion of, of other tactics. Um, you're obviously out and about at shows an awful lot, but what are the most common methods that you're seeing for data capture at trade shows these days? Is, is anybody still using business cards and pens and paper? Uh, yes, absolutely. So um, our big show that we exhibit at is, is Exhibit Alive in Vegas each year. And you know, one of the, the questions to our prospects as they come onto our stand is, is, you know, how do you capture leads at the moment? 
and pen and paper is one of the options and it stays as one of the options and and i would say over the last couple of years probably 20 percent of visitors to our stand are still using pen and paper and may have some nice pre-printed pads but uh you know that's that's still very much much out there that that's that's for sure on the business card side um that's really important almost for all countries other than north us north america um because the and once again i don't know the reason for this organizers outside the states don't tend to use barcodes on badges indeed a lot of the german shows you'll buy a ticket and that may have a barcode on it but it's not something that's scannable other than to to grab someone's um, unique reference number so um, outside of the states we generally find that our clients like the fast ocr business card scanning that we put into our zoant product because it gets some really good data but often better than the data people have quickly registered for a show uh, with um, and you've got a chance to um, engage with people just as quickly as scanning as badge um, and then you can have your back office team checking the images and checking the data's um, 100% accurate in the background situation in the US completely different I think we now work with about 60 different uh registration companies uh, who sell the traditional uh, lead retrieval systems as they're called out there and we just purchase a badge kit so that we can scan 1d 2d barcodes qr codes and, and, and that's the sort of de facto standard out there which is is really good um, i think what's coming onto the scene uh, would be the NFC cards, near field contact cards, like the Oyster cards we get on the tube. And they're really nice to use. They're a lightweight badge. You can have them any size you like. So a lot of those that we see in the US are uh, fully printed, uh, full color. Uh, so it's room for advertising, of course, as well. And um, you literally just touch the badge and it pulls the data um, into our system using uh the apple pay technology that's that's built into the phones these days so that's really cool i wish more shows used nfc because i think that's a great experience both of the visitors and um exhibitors um and of course we're still watching this space with regard to facial recognition uh because how nice will that be we could just walk onto a stand and uh immediately you can recognize who they are perhaps linked to their social media profile that they've opted into for the show um and off you go you start a conversation without having to to scan a badge or anything like that so we're, we're excited about that and and we'll be using that technology as soon as it's available great i love the idea of facial recognition because i know myself when where it shows and you've you've got your badge on it can be a little bit off-putting if you walk onto a stand and immediately an exhibitor's eyes just go down to look at your badge to try and work out whether you're important enough for them to speak to or not. And you can feel like actually you're not really interested in me. So if you've got all that information just from, from facial recognition, I think it's, it's amazing. Are there any shows that are actually using facial recognition yet that you're aware of? 
Um, there's a company we work with based in Houston called uh, Zenus, and they're very innovative. And um, they are obviously pushing the technology and, and tying in with organizers and making good headway um, on, on that side. But we haven't had any requests for it yet at Zuon. So it's not mainstream, but it, it, you know, we can't wait until it, it starts to be used more. I think it's going to be terrific. And I think now that we've got GDPR in place, um, will be able to handle facial recognition in the right way so it's not intrusive. So there's a shout out right there to any event organisers listening or any exhibitors actually who are interested in having a go with facial recognition. Why not get in touch and see if you can be the first? It would make an amazing case study for someone. So um, so let's hear from you if you're interested in that. But you mentioned Pete, um, GDPR, uh, which is something we, that we get asked about all the time in terms of um, from workshops and clients in terms of just keeping legal. So how is GDPR affecting data capture? And are there any rules that exhibitors should be aware of that they definitely shouldn't break? Um, yes, for sure. And, uh, you know, let's uh, reveal our cards straight away. We actually like GDPR. We think it's a great thing. And uh, you mention it to most people and their eyes roll back in their head and they think, oh, goodness, all the work we've got to do and so on and so forth. So... We embraced it from the early days um, because I think it's a much better experience um, to be able to get people to opt in, not just to receive bombardment by email, but also nuanced so that you actually confirm how you would like to deal with any supplier company um, and which channels and which languages and which products they have. You know, it gives you endless varieties. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a really good thing. And we, we work with our clients to provide that effect with their, their client base. Um, so I think the two things that, that we've noticed is that it's still a lot of misunderstandings about um, as our main arena is the US, um, many American ex exhibitor companies believe it doesn't apply to them because it's something over here in Europe. Um, but of course, it does. So in fact, strictly by the regulations, you shouldn't use a lead retrieval device or just an ordinary scanner to, to scan an EU citizen in the US. Um, because that's outside of, of those regulations. And therefore, if it's an international show, um, any exhibitor, even if the show is based in the States, should uh, offer the whole GDPR uh, sort of data skin, if you like, to their uh, lead capture um, operations out there so that that's that's the one thing that there's still confusion about the second thing would be of course gdpr's been about companies storing data and often you just think of offices and regional offices and pr pulling that back into one customer view so you can do it um, but there's not much discussion about how you manage that data on, on mobile devices that can be on or offline. So we put a lot of investment into to managing that and uh, being able to, to wait until 
mobile devices do go online if there's some changes to the data that's, that's sitting locally. So that, that's been a big technical challenge and um, not, there's not much discussion about personal contact data kept on mobile devices used by company operators such as you know, salespeople on the road. So that those, those are two things to watch, I think. Interesting. And I think um, just going back to the, the first point of your answer there, exactly as you say, um, when you mention GDPR to people, you get that kind of eye rolling and people are trying to stop me from marketing to my customers. But actually, I think what you're saying is that where GDPR can help is it's filtering out those people who aren't engaged and don't want to be contacted. And actually, you're retaining the people who do really want to hear from you and ensuring that you can talk to them in a way that they want to be communicated with. So actually, maybe if you can flip it and see it as a benefit and there may be fewer people that you keep, can keep in touch with, but they're people that really want to hear from you, potentially that's more valuable to your business than having thousands of people who actually aren't that bothered about getting an email. Sure. No, to- totally agree. And, uh, you know, a good example is, you know, when you're a, a visitor to a show, as we all are from time to time, and you go on to one stand where, where you are a, a significant customer, you know, I go to some of the call center shows and IT shows and so on, and go and see some of our suppliers and partners. And there's nothing worse than, you know, just by greeted by uh, one of the show workers, and, and they have to go through that whole process. Well, who are you? What's your name? Do you use our products? And compare that with going on to a stand, being scanned. They've got your profile maybe on our Zoom app, and it says, oh, you know, customer, they use this product, interested in this and that. And immediately they can talk to you in a, uh, in a good way. And, and you just feel better and you feel a much stronger partnership with companies like that. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things we hear from exhibitors we work with is how do you quickly get through that filtering process and um, move on time wasters, tire kickers, or who, who aren't there to ever do any business with you and have, have just come for a chat. So the, the quicker anybody can get to that, the, the better, really. So, yep. Yep. so thinking yep. about capturing, capturing data, when exhibitors are, are thinking about, if we're going to a trade show, we need to get some data. That's really the, some leads. That's the, the heartbeat, the lifeblood of us being at this show. What should they be thinking about when they're planning how and what they will capture in terms of data from visitors? Well, once you've got the contact data captured quickly by whatever means, the badge, the business card, whatever it is, um, then it's good if you've got your customer database, your CRM data preloaded on your device as well. So you've got that recognition of, you know, you can look them up easily and know immediately who they are and what they might be interested in. Um, For new prospects, um, the big things are not to have too long a set of lead qualifying questions. You know, which market are they in? What is their job function in terms of specifier or user, uh, you know, which will affect the conversation on on the stand. Um, And the really important one is to have a really easy way to capture notes, because if you're a show worker and you're not actually going to be following up this lead, you're going to be handing it off to someone um, on your, your sales team to follow up. 
it's those notes that provide the sort of rich color about the lead and, and how valuable it is and, and what to do next and describe very clearly, you know, their level of interest and how keen they are. And uh, that's where something like Siri, where you can just quickly dictate your notes as soon as someone's walking off the stand and it's still fresh in your mind. It's those notes that really help the guys follow up. Otherwise, they're normally used to receiving, you know, some horrible spreadsheet um, and you can't tell one person from the next who might have visited a show, you know, a week or two ago. So that, that, those are our main tips, I think. I think that's a great tip about using um, Siri or any kind of um, recording app that you've got on your phone just to, even if you are following up yourself, just to um, capture a few notes about the person and where you think that should go next and what you think the opportunities are because it'll just, just to listen to that in the, the day, days after a show and remind yourself of who people are and even if you give yourself a little qualifier about they had a shirt with flamingos on so at least you can kind of, because you'll have seen so many people just remember who it is that you were talking about and the conversation you had will help so much. So brilliant tip for anybody listening is um, try and get some recorded notes down as well if you can when somebody's left the stand. Um, so again, something else that exhibitors talk to us about is the fact that they finish a show, they're really tired, they've been out of the office for four, five, six days, however long. You get back into the office first thing on a, a Monday morning and you've got a whole load of work to catch up on and suddenly before you know it, it's four weeks since the show and you've not followed up with anybody and actually that's the critical time. So what would you recommend that exhibitors should be doing in those first crucial days um, after a show to really make sure that they're using that data to the best effect that they can? Um, do nothing at all. So you should have everything running automatically by then in, the, in an ideal world. So if you've got one of the latest systems running, then your data each evening at least, even if not in real time, should be flowing into your CRM. The leads should be being distributed to your follow-up team. If you've got lead scoring maybe built into your, uh, you know, the, your lead form um, at the show, um, then the sales-ready leads can be pushed out to the salespeople to follow up really quickly, even while the show is running. Um, there are no thank you emails to send because they're sent as someone walks off the stand. There's another tip which always impresses people to get that instant follow-up, whereas most companies wait just because of their processes for, for weeks, if not months, and you then get a thank you email from a company you can't even remember you know, what it was all about. And if there are a whole... Normally, three main groups, aren't they, that you qualify out. The sales-ready leads, they've already gone in real time out to the salespeople. And, and they'll, they'll love you for that because they should all be really good leads. They don't have to weed through um, that long list. Um, the medium, longer-term ones can be automatically sent to your inside sales team or your outsourced call center to follow up, maybe even in local uh, countries to get the languages right for that local follow-up support. And then the third group, obviously, are the, not, not the time wasters, but there may be specifiers and influencers um, who just go on a mailing list. 
So if you cut your lead list into those three main chunks, it, it gives you that focus and um, allows you to get that all organized before the show. So there's actually nothing to do. You can just go and celebrate the volume of leads you've, you've generated at the show because now it's off to the other guys in your team to follow up. And I think there'll be many an exhibitor out there um, breathing a sigh of relief, thinking, wow, if I could get to the end of my trade show and, and have to do nothing, um, but be able to reap the benefits of everything we've put into the last three days, that would be just amazing. So it's fantastic for those big companies that have um, CRM systems already in place and they can use their data to feed into that. Is there any, are there any solutions out there for perhaps smaller companies or um, entrepreneurs, owner-operators of businesses? What can they do to try and achieve some of that automation efficiency, but maybe on a much lower budget? What are the solutions that are available to them? Well, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be expensive. That's the whole beauty of this. Um, and, the, you know, lots of CRM systems out there there's our own market point crm which is cloud-based it's it's low cost per user um, for something really nice and easy um, there are competitors uh, like pipe drive that's getting quite a lot of traction another one would be copper crm you've got the big boys now you know salesforce.com where you're going to be paying perhaps double what some of these other companies provide uh, we have clients using sugar zoho there's good there's some really good cloud-based crm systems out there that, that shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg and then our products like the zoo app actually used at the show can plug straight into any of those so streamlining that bit of your trade show side will get you in the market faster and just save you all of that hassle it's it's it really is a no-brainer yeah, it's fantastic here that there, um, there are options out there that aren't a huge investment in terms of cash because sometimes small businesses don't have that. But certainly that small investment that you might need to make in some sort of system will save you so much time at the other end of the trade show and efficiency in being able to service customers. So it feels like it's a good investment um, in, in getting one of these systems before a show. Um, so how can exhibitors start to measure their ROI more effectively using data and leads? How, how is that useful after the show in that evaluation period? Yes, well, once again, just really following up that last, that previous point, it, it comes down to your CRM system. So um, the approach we use uh, is actually to use the CRM to make sure you're distributing the leads to the right salespeople, and that distribution matrix can be a little complicated based on you know, how large your sales force is and what their specialities are and their regional distribution and so on and so forth. Um, but the actual mechanics of it, you know, what salespeople like is to receive an email with their lead. They can then click through on the email to read the lead from the show just on a simple web form that's hosted out of the CRM. And that gives them all of the information, like a one-page printed sheet from the old days. You know, who it was, contact details, what their interests were, the notes that we were talking about earlier. Um, and then they can do all of their follow-up. And there are a little couple of web buttons at the bottom to confirm the lead feedback. Um, you know, are they going to be quoting? Is it a 
actually a long-term future lead? What's the potential value? What's the next contact date? And they can just enter those details in without that horrible thing that salespeople hate doing, which is of an evening having to go on to a system to update their day's activities on, on an old-fashioned CRM. So ping them out on an email, give them an easy link, and then they can do the follow-up as if it's a paper-based system. Really nice and easy. Um, and then that automatically gives you a weekly, monthly set of reports based on Salesforce follow-up performance. But it also starts to build up a really nice picture about all of your events, which ones are generating not the volumes of leads, but uh, the quality of the leads, which is really what it's all about. You know, which ones develop the most sales, the most potential sales, um, you know, one page A4 um, reports that are easy to understand. Those are the basics. It really, really is so easy to do these days. Yeah. And again, really interesting point you make about the quality of leads rather than the quantity. And, and we often hear from clients them saying, well, we just want to meet everybody at a show. And actually, you know, research would show only about 16 to 20% of, of visitors to any show will be in a position to buy from you. So really, you want to be meeting that 16 to 20% and having made sure you've got all the detail to convert that to a sale and then track it to be able to measure ROI. So really crucial point that the quality of the leads far outweighs the, the quantity. So just looking to wrap up our conversation, there's lots of tips and advice and hints in there for exhibitors and even for event organizers um, about how they can make their data processing and, and um, lead capture more efficient. But working right at the heart of the industry, what do you think the big trends are going to be in data and lead capture for, for this year and beyond? Um, it keeps changing. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, there was a lot of discussion about beacons and we thought four or five years ago that um iBeacons would would catch on and, and it, in fact it was a a sort of common process that both apple and android um viewed so that you'd be able to uh, pull information automatically onto your mobile device whether that's about a show or as you're walking past exhibition stands and I, for whatever reason it never got to the stage where it was good enough to to operate really well from from our experience um nfc we mentioned earlier on love the nfc badges that would be brilliant um to uh really i think the cost needs to come down a bit or perhaps the cost per badge is still a little pricey but as with all things if we can get volumes going then i would recommend uh, exhibition organizers look at NFC, popular with visitors and exhibitors, as I said earlier. Um, uh, but then, yes, facial recognition, um, how how good will that be? And to automatically pull together on your iPad, say, uh, you know, information about who the person is, what their interests are, you know, only stuff that's out there on their social media platforms, maybe which teams they support, you know, if they're into football or the motor racing or whatever it is, just to help those conversations. So I guess that's, that's the future, um, maybe linked to more digital displays. Uh, so, you know, once again, when they're, the cost of, of, of those displays comes down because they're just so expensive for, for most companies to consider at the moment. 
and that could give you more of a sort of interactivity style of, of um, greeting customers. So it was actually customized to, to people walking onto your stand. So oh, lots to do. Technology is going to give us uh, plenty more excitement in the years to come, I'm sure. Definitely. And I think that starts to bring in that real wow factor and personalization that we are all looking for. So that's where digital really helps to bring a personal experience in face-to-face because it can sometimes feel like digital or social media and, and face-to-face marketing or trade shows are, are quite um, diverse. They're at opposite ends of the spectrum, really, but you can start to see how how digital can feed into and feel part of a whole experience. And this festivalization of events that we keep hearing about, that's all part of that. So I'm very excited to be thinking in the future, I may walk onto an ex- exhibition stand where there's a big picture and it says, welcome, Nicola, it's fantastic to have you here today. And how did Rotherham do at the weekend? Although that wouldn't be so good since they're Rotherham IT. <laughs> <laughs> Got relegated again. So <laughs> There we go. Well, commiserations, you know, maybe you'd have a rain shower in the background, who knows? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, four games to go. We might still stay up, hopefully, in a few weeks. Yeah, you'll be okay. You'll make it. So, brilliant conversation today, Pete. Thank you so much for all of um, your advice and insights. It's a really interesting um, sector to look at and something that people can think is kind of a bit of a last thought in terms of leads and, and um, data generation, but it's really, really important. Um, so, who else in the industry do you think would make a great guest for the Exhibitionist podcast? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, sort of following up from some of the things we've just been chatting about, um, a very lively guy we work with called Ian Gotts. And like us, he's a Brit, but he focuses on the US market. Um, And he makes process management interesting and easy. So uh, his organization is called Elements.Cloud, and it's just so relevant to events and trade show management because for all the shows you attend, the event manager's job, you're just going through your checklists of things to put in place, including your lead capture, your lead follow-up, and everything else. And he's got a really easy tool um, to allow you to put a process map together which you can share with any people in your organization. Um, in fact, go to elements.cloud. It's a free free service at a basic level, which might be really useful to people. Um, and he's got some really interesting ideas about creating something called a one, the one badge. So it would be a carbon fiber badge you keep in your wallet, um, and uh, which could be recognized by lots of um exhibition organizers in future so i know th- i think it'd be great to, to have and uh, really qu- quite lively as as a guest for you nicola brilliant thank you very much for that suggestion we will get in touch so um so thank you so much um for coming on the show today it's been a great chat and um, pete if people want to find you where's the best place to get in touch with you um so our website is zoant.com that's nice and easy and I'm Pete at zoant.com, email address. Um, be delighted to hear from anyone with any questions. Brilliant. Thank you. And for anybody listening who's not sure, Zuant, Zuant is Z-U-A-N-T. Or if you're struggling to find Pete, do always get in touch with us and uh, we can give you his details. So 
Thank you very much, Pete. You have a fantastic Easter and we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. And you. Thanks, Nicola. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks to Peter there for all his advice and tips on using data after your trade show. I know it's really difficult to get excited about data in the same way that you might your stand or getting your squad motivated and ready to go. But actually, it really is the heartbeat of everything that you're doing. And great data can lead to great conversations in the future and hopefully some more sales for you. So really worth thinking about during the planning, the implementation and the evaluation phase of your exhibition of just how you're using that data. It's the most powerful thing to come out of your trade show. So good luck with your data capture in the future. So that's it for us for this week. We will be back in a couple of weeks and we're speaking to uh, Josh Rifkin, who's based over in San Diego. And he's going to be talking about his experiences with small to medium-sized exhibitors and how you can create as much impact as the big boys and some of the solutions that he has come up with that will really help exhibitors get over some of those troublesome labour and transportation and build costs when you haven't got a massive budget. So it's a great episode coming up, particularly if you're um, one of those exhibitors that has a slightly smaller budget. So look forward to that one coming your way on the 21st of May. So thank you once again for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you haven't heard enough from me already, I actually got to guest on an episode of a podcast myself in the last week. It was brilliant to see things from the other side of the mic and talk all things exhibitions for Tees Business Podcast, which is a great local initiative based here in the Tees Valley. So if you want to listen to what I had to say to help exhibitors with their campaigns, pop over to our website, www.inspiringexhibitors.com, and you'll be able to click on our podcast page and pick up a copy of that podcast with some great information. So the really exciting thing for us that's coming up in the next couple of weeks is the official launch of The Exhibitionist, the book, which no doubt you've heard about via our social media over the last few months. Thursday the 16th of May is the date that it goes live on Amazon and you can order your copy from then. But it's also the date that we can send out all of those pre-orders that we've received via the website. So if you have ordered one, you should be getting it fairly soon after that date. You will be able to continue to order copies through the website after the 16th of May and we will sign every copy that you order that way and there'll be an ebook version available via Amazon also. So please, if you've grabbed an early copy of the book, leave us a review. It'd be great to hear what you think of it and also uh, any feedback you've got for the next edition when we update things in the future. So Thursday, the 16th of May, the official launch of The Exhibitionist on the website and Amazon. Please pick up your copy and leave us a review. So hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed today's episode. Hope you have a great couple of weeks planning your exhibitions and we'll talk to you again really soon. Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blog and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insights. While there, you can also find out more about our new book, The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.